0: Vanessa Guerrero and this is Kicking and Screaming
1: I'm your other co-host Elijah Taylor and a slight change in the way that you introduced yourself uh, completely derailed me I have no idea where I am what's this podcast all about
0: so what had happened was I made a mistake but I kept going with it because I'm a professional um, right
1: i am not uh that is one of the differences you'll notice <laughs> between your two co-hosts for the kicking and screaming podcast
0: uh and what kicking and screaming is is we combine horror movies and martial arts movies to make amazing double features because we think you like one you will probably like the other one heck yeah uh and we think sometimes they even make both better by virtue of watching them all in one sitting um and let me start by saying i know this episode is very late and I. Sincerest apologies.
1: Yeah, it's been uh been one of those weeks. We lost power for a bit, uh, which uh, for someone uh, myself uh, working remotely uh, is a bigger setback uh, than you would expect. 12... An entire day, yeah, just being behind. Twelve hours without electricity, and it took me three days to catch up.
0: After I came back from a weekend shoot that was also twelve hours long, and then I found out my grandparents have COVID, and then my network announced that the like well not my network, but the network that I work on announced its actual launch date so suddenly everything like kicked into overdrive so it's it just has been, been a week an insane week that i will not go further on because we don't need this to be crying episode three yeah um, we got enough of those we don't <laughs> have a fun title for it either because it's like crying <laughs> episode two electric boogaloo
1: crying episode three cry warriors oh cry warriors yeah that's pretty good all right that'll be i wish there up. was a synonym for crying that rhymed with dream you know like sobbing we're warriors.
0: the weep warriors <laughs> that's
1: pretty good i like <laughs> it i'm a fan
0: i found it
1: good job. Um, good
0: job but yeah uh show must go on and again since you're like because of the uploading process and the recording pro- process is on me it's not even on just elijah's end it's on me so i apologize
1: He's like, I, uh, you can you can blame me i, want I know mine. but you
0: didn't do anything in this scenario i
1: know but you know, i'm you know just uh put the blame on me I have I have less followers than you, so you can just, like, any anytime something goes wrong.
0: Put the blame on me.
1: There it is. I was like, I don't recognize what you're doing right now.
0: <laughs> if you need a scapegoat now, just let me know.
1: Damn, you were killing it with the with the song parodies today. <laughs> Should this be our new podcast? <laughs> you, you just do song parodies while I go, wow.
0: <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> pretty, not bad. Pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good uh, format for a podcast. Let's pivot. Let's restructure.
0: Let's pivot. Let's restructure. Um,
1: Welcome to the first episode of... uh, What's our new podcast name?
0: uh, Punching and Yelling. There you go. Uh, I will say, just to give you all an idea of what the timeline looks like, um, our next episode is going to be... um, hellraiser and clan of the white lotus which is very uh, exciting reina cervantes who i'm very excited to have on she's very cool and then the episode after that, I already told Elijah what it was if you wanted to get ahead on it because I know a lot of y'all are like kicking it into overdrive with the scary movies for October. So after Hellraiser and Clan of the White Lotus, I've given Elijah a movie called Pin, a plastic nightmare, and I am so excited to make him watch it. Yeah,
1: I've never seen it. It'll be a first time watch for me uh, and possibly for you, the listener.
0: Like I have not met a ton of other people that have watched Pin.
1: All right, very exciting. We'll get to go on uh, this journey together.
0: It's awful, and I love it. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) Um, So this is kind of a weird one to have the pick that we have. And I think it's almost a blessing in disguise that we were delayed like a week and a day uh, because uh, we've managed to skip out on all of the Halloween Kills discourse. Yeah. Um, we we don't have to do anything with it. It's already run its course to the point I, of being I feel irritating. Like it's, it's
1: winding down now.
0: It's winding down. We don't down. have to weigh in. We don't have to weigh in. There needs no more hats. Need to be in this goddamn ring.
1: Yeah, I'm absolutely uh, <clears throat> eager and more than willing to discuss uh, with uh, with anyone who wants to uh, via you know like a Twitter DM. But
0: but like the hot takes don't need to. There yeah, there doesn't enough. need to be any more. There's your favorite. An oversaturation. <laughs> this is. The dress that looks different to different people, yet for some <laughs> reason everybody got so heated about it looking different to different people. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm i so happy we missed that wave in the week that we've been gone. Um, yeah. Although we did go to the premiere, which was utterly wild.
1: Yeah, you, you got to uh, meet Jamie Lee Curtis. We it met Jamie Lee cool. Curtis. Yeah. Neither one of us I, spoke
0: to her because we just went... I was off. about to say,
1: I don't know that I would... Say that I met Jamie Lee Curtis. I stood several she feet away. She spoke to
0: us. Did she? she I thought said I was we just had lovely in the costumes. Oh,
1: okay, wonderful. I didn't even like clock that. I was just like, wow. She spoke Jamie to the group. Lee Curtis.
0: She spoke to us when she was like addressing costumes. I was trying to respond back, and I made a gurgle noise. And then you chose the moment Jamie Lee Curtis walked up to go hand someone a napkin. And so that's when I was like, Elijah, come I here. Handing someone a napkin? Yes, you're oh, handing a where? server a but napkin because you didn't, napkin. It. No, you didn't know what to do with it. No, it's because you didn't know what to do with it because you were just holding a napkin after you ate a piece of chicken. Uh, I don't think I handed a napkin. To I think you I, asked at one point. Can. I asked someone where this a trash can there! was.
1: I just feel like you're given, uh, you know, this false impression of me as someone who walks up to service and it's just like, hey, take my trash. And that is not what I do. I'm like, excuse me, sir. Where should I put this trash?
0: What the fuck ever? You chose the moment Jamie Lee Curtis literally dressed as her mother in Psycho to walk away and figure out what to do with a napkin. So I waved you back because I was too scared to talk. And then you came next to me and just stood there also too scared to talk.
1: Well, you know, I just I didn't want to uh, meet Jamie Lee Curtis with a handful of trash. I don't see why that's wrong. God damn it, Elijah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so uh, she's podcast. extremely cool. Oh, yeah. Extremely, extremely cool. Huge uh,
0: dork, as is her daughter.
1: Yeah. Very yeah. very cool family.
0: Huge shout out to a friend from work, the Completionist, for taking us. Uh, yeah. It was rad, and I ate my weight in uh, nothing. It was only cocktails.
1: Uh, meanwhile i ate literally (laughs) all of the free food if you take me to a party where there's free food the starvation mentality kicks in and i'm like i gotta eat it all before they take it away from me oh
0: i saw it you were like a blur where you're just like oh yeah that's cool i gotta go to the grill table really anyways there's stir fry over there like somebody would walk by with a sushi roll and you would just follow them and i just had multiple horror themed cocktails
1: yeah. No, one of the dudes handing out free chicken satay, uh, fully just laughed at me because I already had a fistful of chicken satay <laughs> and I was like, Yeah man, give me some of that and he was like, Okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> They could tell who the guests of friends yeah, were.
1: Yeah. They they knew <laughs> I was a plus one. We
0: were we were given serious plus one energy. Yeah.
1: Nothing wrong with that. No. Nothing wrong with being a plus one.
0: Anthony Michael Hall was just walking around the party smiling. It was really cute.
1: Yeah. He uh he was also a plus one, I believe. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, so this is a podcast where we talk about movies uh and each week we alternate uh choosing one from uh either genre either horror or martial arts this week and, i picked horror uh no this week i i picked martial arts what i it i it was my pick this week, and I chose a martial arts film
0: what did you pick last week?
1: Uh, I didn't pick last week. Last week was your pick and I had to match something to it. I don't remember what the last episode is because we took two weeks off and I uh, have the memory of a goldfish. So it, when something takes I'm more almost than three sure days, it was my um, pick. I, I am sure that it was not.
0: I'm pretty sure I picked Zodiac and instead went with Halloween.
1: Mm, no, I'm pretty sure you picked a Zodiac and then instead pivoted to the mutilator you're right it's your pick so what'd you pick yeah cool again (laughs) going through a
0: lot (laughs) i'm not sleeping that much
1: no no and that's and that's fair uh but i just want it to be known uh on record uh on this audio record that we are currently creating uh that i was right and you were wrong and
0: i'm choosing to not edit this Oh good. <laughs> I'm letting them know that I was the jackass. No, I, I'm I, taking the L.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you. I need every win that I can get. Uh no, so this week, uh I have I've chosen a, a martial arts film uh and and challenged Vanessa to uh pair a horror film with it. Uh and the film I've chosen in the Spirit of the Holiday. Is the 1981 Yuan Wu-Ping classic. Dreadnought.
0: Hell yes. Oh my god. Yuan Wu-Ping is such a baby.
1: Heard, oh, uh, Yuan Biao. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yuan yeah. Biao. A lot of Yuan Yuan Biao. <laughs>
0: Is such a baby in this from other things that we've seen him in. So baby I don't face. think I've seen him so young this what's, far.
1: What's funny, though, is it's it's 1981, and I'm trying to remember when, uh like, Wheels on Meals was. Probably
0: uh, not that long
1: after. Honestly, I might even have been earlier. Like, in my head, Wheels on Meals is, like, late 70s. I don't know. But they're, like, very close to around the same time at least but somehow this is the the babyest that Yuan Biao has ever looked. I don't know if it's the haircut. I don't.
0: Maybe it's the characterization because he's kind of bossed around by everyone a, a, else. And his
1: name is Mousy. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: and, and, yeah his, his name is Mousy he's uh, bossed around he's a very put upon uh, harried and cowardly individual. I think at multiple points in time he's like I'm just too much of a coward. <laughs> <laughs> in a very shaggy from scooby-doo kind of way
0: oh extreme shaggy energy yeah he's, he's a shaggy without a scoob
1: no he's very much uh like if you ever watched like a scooby-doo and the 13 ghosts uh, the series where they cut out like uh Fred Daphne and I think I think Velma was still there but it was like Velma shaggy Scooby and then scrappy doo um wait. It might not have been Velma. They replaced, uh, they maybe just had the the kid. There's like an Aladdin esque, kind of like scrappy orphan boy. Um, anyway, I like that series. This kid is pretty sweet. But this movie uh, is basically a live action adaptation of that. <laughs> it's not true at all. Sorry. All about right. It, that was a, long road. Uh, it was a long road to <laughs> literally no point. Uh, God, we took a week off and I forgot how to talk into a microphone. So. <laughs> Don't
0: the Scooby-Doo, like, scary horror kids movies slap so goddamn they're hard, so though? They're so good. They're so legitimately good. Monster Island was one of my absolute... Yeah,
1: where the zombies were real.
0: Zombie Island. And then which was the one with the Hex Girls?
1: Uh, I mean, the Hex Girls showed up a few times. Uh, I know they're the in Mystery Inc. Uh, I don't recall. I don't know the first appearance of Hex Girls. They're pretty dope, though. But
0: that entire run I was deeply obsessed with because it was also really good at making girls that I was in love with.
1: Yeah. There was a... There's an episode of uh, Mystery Incorporated where the Hex Girls have a battle of the bands against an undead ska band, and it's like the most me shit. <laughs> I can see you it. just
0: skanking in the middle.
1: Yeah, it's I. It's all you can do. Yeah. Anyway, so Dreadnought. Uh, Dreadnought is one that I've uh, you know kind of had on the uh, the short list of films that are definitively both kicking and screaming that Mm -hmm. are like they exist at the intersection. Uh, the, the kind of overlap in the Venn diagram that we're always trying to live in. Like
0: encounters of the spooky kind, which I know is is its own subgenre, but I can't remember what it's called.
1: Yeah, no, uh, that, that one definitely. Um, which, uh, what is that subgenre called? I mean, they're Jiangxi is like the vampire, but I don't remember what the subgenre of like spooky, there's a name for it Uh, i just can't remember at the the moment um but anyways uh yeah it's it's a short list i mean blade one and two uh legend of the seven golden vampires which was like a hammer horror and shaw brothers co-production and is maybe like you know one that most epitomizes um and then, uh, human lanterns, uh, which we've done, yes, uh, previously,
0: extremely Texas chainsaw, yeah,
1: yeah. And so, there's there's a few, uh, that are in that space. And I, I always, uh, you know, wish there were more. Obviously, I wish, uh, every movie was a horror movie that also had sweet martial arts fight scenes. Uh, but of that, uh, very small, uh, subgenre, mm-hmm. this has always been one of my favorites, um, because, uh, I, I think that. The choreography is kind of slept on. Like I, I think that the fights and choreo in this film are better than it often uh, is. Like recognized as like I, th- I think there are some some sequences in here that are like among the best in Yuan Wu Ping's like choreography. Uh, oh, I Portfolio, agree. and I like you know never see it referenced uh, as being that. But it also is just a very very good like tightrope act between being a slasher and being a very like traditional Kung Fu movie, uh, even like being a Wong Fei Hung story.
0: By the way, it's also a Wong Fei Hung story. So if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that he is a historical figure that's frequently covered in martial martial arts movies, like once upon a time in China. um,
1: uh, Iron Monkey he's a young kid in that uh, he's been in a bunch of stuff and a lot of Yeonwoo Ping stuff as well uh, but yeah he's like a very like folklore type heroic character
0: Yeah, uh, which is bonkers to me <laughs> um, when I see him in a movie that's clearly also a slasher movie because it's very smart in the way that it like lifts all of the slasher tropes uh, and and does you know like perfect one to ones of it um, but then Wang Fei-Hung is in it, and it feels like Abraham Lincoln in a Friday the 13th movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, they did do Abraham Lincoln Vampire <laughs> Hunter okay, or whatever, but fine. like... fine.
0: It feels it, like it Mark feels Twain like in a fucking Hellraiser movie. <laughs>
1: it's, no, it's true. It's just like, yeah, historical, uh, This this beloved historical figure who... Uh yeah did did exist but then is also very much like a a pop culture character uh and I <laughs> love that towards the end he just has a f- fight with a masked uh slasher villain killer. yeah just a slasher villain uh but no I I love Dreadnought I feel like it's uh kind kind of for my money kind of underrated I don't hear enough people talk about it uh, even like among you know like fans of uh, like Yun Biao. Uh, or Yeonwoo Ping. Uh, and I, I think that it rules. I think it gets kind of uh, a bad rap for uh, trying to do a lot. Because it is very much like a slapstick comedy. A, a classic martial arts story. And a slasher flick. And, you know, it's, it's juggling a lot of elements. And I think that uh, potentially uh, your, your mileage may vary as to how well all of those things land. But it's one for me that like uh is is almost an an annual rewatch uh because I do think that it succeeds really well at all of the things that it's doing um what wh- what did you think this was your your first watch of dreadnought what were your, what were your thoughts on this kicking and screaming film?
0: so this was actually the first movie you brought up to me when we pitched this podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like it,
0: the first one that you used as an example, like you were. It's giving, my favorite example. Yeah, you were giving me sample pairings, and one of them was Dreadnought, and um, it. So I had that like concern when something is like very built up for you that you're like, oh, right, no, I yeah, because I've that. talked about it for a while, um, yeah. and I adored it. It had yeah, fantastic fight scenes. Uh, the characterizations were very funny, especially like Mousy being bullied by, like, his sister and uh, very much, like, where his lot in life was. And I found the whole, like... Even before, like, the emergence of a karate kid, like, the wax on, wax on, off of it all, like, the daily task being the answer element of it, really funny. Uh, What I found especially breathtaking in this, though, which is surprising, because I can't think of other movies... I mean, I know other movies that, like, do examples of this, but to where it, like... Made me immediately want to go out and witness it for myself. The dragon dances in this are yes. superb.
1: No, I think the the two dragon dance sequences mm-hmm. are like the the best choreography of that that I've seen in a film. And yeah, absolutely, like really reaches
0: the limits of what like bodies and coordination can do. Yeah,
1: and really just captivating visual sequences. Uh, there's one uh, not the uh, not like the heroic dragon that is like uh, Wang Fei-Hung's school, Uh, not his dragon, but the the bad guy's uh, dragon (coughs) costume. The construction of it uh, makes it really convincing as like a like a creature because my
0: head sees creature yeah and the way like, like buddha's palm creature
1: yeah it like exactly it looks like the the guy's like the sorcerer's pet from buddha's palm uh but it yeah it really to me just like clocks like a henson production style like a like a big muppet You know?
0: The winking and like the head wiggles. It's
1: it's just puppeteered so well and so convincingly. And especially like when it like drinks wine and gets drunk and stumbles around, it's so well done that you legitimately forget that it's like two guys standing in a suit and using their legs to be the thing's arms or whatever. It's so good. And then they fight? Yeah. And it's a well choreographed dragon fight. Like
0: four people holding up a dragon head and butt.
1: Yeah. And it's like you have to choreograph that from the perspective of like these two groups are legitimately fighting they're trying to hurt each other but they also refuse to break the kayfabe of both being dragons so the dragons
0: a- look cool and the fighting is effective and it needs to look that way way back in a wide because yeah. they aren't doing the thing where like all right let's get really close so we can like hide the martial arts and then do the dragon stuff in the wide all of it is happening, pushed way far back to where it all needs to, like, in sequence be a dragon dance and an effective fight at the same time without cheating with cutting.
1: Yeah. That is
0: really remarkable.
1: It's so well done. Uh, no, I, I love that sequence. Uh, and, yeah, it's definitely a standout. Like, you know, if you, if you uh, don't watch the film for any other reason, uh, it's worth watching for that.
0: And I know why you pitched it for my first two. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz the horror elements are so overt.
1: Yeah. So the the premise of the uh the film is that uh you you get this opening that's like almost like a a cold open that I think is like pre uh like title or credits uh opening credits roll but it's uh white tiger and his wife or girlfriend uh i don't know if we like fully know their relationship but they uh it's it is a woman that white tiger loves and is protective of uh but they are sister but oh, no. it could be a sister honestly we don't see them be like romantic explicitly they just there is love there uh but they're traveling they're both very thirsty they've clearly been on the road for a while they come to uh like a a roadside uh restaurant, and she quickly points out that there are too many servers, and none of the tasks they're doing seem legitimate uh oh it's wife, it's wife all right Vanessa just discovered it is confirmed wife uh so white tiger and his wife they they come to this restaurant uh she points out like hey, there's too many servers, none of them are like doing real work. I think this is a setup. But before they can react, like, the doors are locked and it turns out that this is a group of either bounty hunters or police and you learn uh, all at once that White Tiger and his wife are wanted criminals uh, and and these dudes are, are coming for him. Uh, but she's immediately like, you guys must be amateurs if you think we would go without a fight and then proceeds to just start murdering fools. And my one, uh, like... Big criticism of this movie is that there's not enough of this, like the opening scene with White Tiger and his wife. I immediately am more like sold and captivated by them than most of the other characters in the movie they like
0: their bond is like Bonnie and Clyde in their last moments, yeah,
1: and they just they make such a goddamn impression. the fact that like she she is the one who initiates the violence. she's like, oh no, I'm gonna kill these dudes." and uh uh, also worth noting white tiger never speaks a word in this movie he only communicates in like primal guttural like shouts and grunts he does a lot of like but he doesn't ever actually talk so and
0: sometimes laughter sounds does he laugh wait no that's the other one
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. There's like another killer who does little, uh, giggles. Um, but yeah, no white tiger. He just, he just growls. He grunts like he does not prove himself capable of human speech at any point. So it's a very like Jason Voorhees kind of thing. Uh, but they proceed to you know brawl with all of these, uh, would be bounty hunters. Uh, she gets killed by a guy with a, with a hidden dagger, uh, which is unfortunate. She takes like 10 people with her. Uh, and then White Tiger proceeds to put every motherfucker there through a wall or table. And the the way he fights in that opening, uh, like every punch and every kick, he is just a, a juggernaut of a dude. He is an unstoppable force. And just like it, he he'll throw a single kick and a guy just goes flying through a table. He shoots to but, kill. Yeah. And something that I love about it is like they are all selling it so well and he has such a like an intimidating and commanding presence that it doesn't feel like uh it doesn't feel too campy when he like kicks someone and they fly like 10 feet and crash through a wall it doesn't feel so much like you know oh kung fu movie like magic you see it and you're like fuck he kicked that dude so hard (laughs) like it's it just sells yeah and uh yeah so after uh after his wife is is killed uh he's Potentially driven mad with grief, but it's hard to say... Or cool. if he was just already a masked killer, right? Because he was a feral animal before she was killed, and we don't know what they were wanted criminals for. Like,
0: who knows? Maybe the mask was something he had done before. He was very good at the paint it's for very it. Very
1: good at it. Yeah. So he goes into hiding, uh, he, wearing this
0: incredible face paint.
1: Yeah. He he uh, meets up with a, a friend of his that he had formerly. Uh, they like trained at the same martial arts school, and that that guy now has like a very popular uh, like dojo of his own um but he he tells him basically like i can't take you in it would kill my reputation but i can help hide you and so he puts him up with a local uh theater troupe and well there white tiger uh gets a hold of like the theater troupe's grease paint and paints his whole face uh into scary monster guy face and becomes uh yeah just a real slasher villain he just uh starts killing motherfuckers left and right and
0: he's got those pov shots that you know from black christmas and you know from halloween and like the horror movies of the time that kind of set a precedent for like what a slasher looks like right and so dreadnought is such a fascinating watch because there's so many one-to-ones of like the two slasher you know blueprints um specifically like halloween more than anything in terms of just like international appeal that it's really cool to see how far it branched out and just became a language
1: yeah no absolutely it's uh very much uh not to uh, you know hyperbolize in drawing this connection but like uh not to say that it had the same impact or influence but just that they're like two shades of the same uh thing happening it's like when citizen kane came out and everyone was like oh you can tell visual stories in this way like this is these are ways that you can frame a shot these are ways that you can move a camera this is like how you i'm
0: fucking saying more than citizen kane once we get to halloween and i'll give my argument why okay
1: (laughs) uh but yeah i i think uh you know and there's a lot of like uh I, I don't know like uh e- even like comic books were you know like influenced by like the visual language of you know citizen kane at the time and i i feel like yeah slashers uh did that thing where it's like they created these shots that people then you know kind of ran with and were like oh yeah that is a cool way to show that like someone is a scary intimidating maybe even unstoppable, uh presence you know, you shoot it from their perspective and it's like, oh, they're watching everything and yeah. no one sees them. And you just hear like scary breathing. Uh, but yeah, even like White Tiger's first kill. I think his first kill is probably my favorite one because it's so uh, it just goes so hard. But his, his first kill after he puts the mask on is uh, a guy who was uh, bullying uh, Yuan Biao. Uh, you know, he's he's a real jerk. He's a he's a real meathead. So you you, you love to see it uh in in classic slasher uh tradition you know the first one to go is like kind of a dipshit yeah. so you're like all right uh and white tiger stabs him in the dick with like a sharp piece of wood like a wooden stake i don't know why there was a wooden stake nearby <laughs> but he grabs a wooden stake uh and crotch stabs him and then breaks a mirror cuts his throat with a piece of the broken mirror and then holds the piece of the broken mirror up so he can watch himself die. This gets (laughs)
0: so gleefully brutal.
1: Yeah. Especially for like you know not that Golden Harvest uh, martial arts movies were not violent but it's still just like it's violent in a horror movie way that you're not fully expecting when you're you know watching uh, like a kung fu movie
0: yeah and like as we were talking about language earlier in terms of like interesting how quickly that picked up halloween is 78 this is 81
1: yeah no three three years later and like undeniable influence um but yeah i i love this movie uh oh white tiger is uh the slasher villain Yun biao is mousy the hero Uh, and i love him I think it's also called Peanut in the English dub. Uh, I, think, I think they changed his name to Peanut. Uh, but yeah, Mousy, Peanut, either way, he's got a dork-ass name and a baby face and a kind of dorky haircut. Uh, and he is introduced as uh, attempting to collect debts... That, that are owed to uh, his sister uh, and I believe their laundry business? I, I think that's what... They have
0: a special laundry method that is only the family ma- way that is also kung fu.
1: <laughs> yes, and uh, so they're... I, I believe he's collecting debts for their laundry business. I don't think that the, she, like, operates a loan shark or anything, but... Uh, yeah, he, he's going door to door and it, it seems that everyone in town just knows he is such a pushover. You don't have to pay your debt if Mousy is collecting. So he shows up and everyone goes, No, and then he's like, Oh no, and runs away. Uh and then his sister beats him up for being a nerd. <laughs> 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 but yeah, the the whole uh the whole time he is uh just just kind of a, a bumbling dork. Uh his best friend is a student of Wong Fei Hung. And is uh, an expert of martial arts, so he, like, goes and helps Mousy collect some debts. Mousy is like, ah, I wish I could fight like you. So he tries to become a student of Wang Fei-Hung, uh, kind of has mixed results. Um, his, his friend takes him to a brothel where they get into a fist fight with a cop, and he ends up getting kicked out of uh, Wang Fei-Hung's school after Bringing a uh, d- tremendous uh, shame and dishonor to Wong Fei Hung's name, yeah. <laughs> uh, imitating him at a brothel and fighting a cop, <laughs> uh, which is all played uh played for like slapstick comedy, but it's like such a such a dirtbag series of events <laughs> that I love. Uh, but yeah, so Mousy primarily is just <laughs> like a a put upon kind of tragic uh coward who has the terrible misfortune of wearing a trinket with some bells on it. Uh, and it turns out White Tiger's uh, deceased wife also wore a trinket with some bells on it. And every time he hears those bells, boy, is he angry. And he just
0: wants to murder the shit out <laughs> of Mousy. He wants to murder
1: the shit out of Mousy. I don't know why he would hear the bells and not associate it like with his his wife, who he loved, and be like, Hey Mousie, you seem all right. Like I, I don't know why. Or
0: want to like make Mousie his wife.
1: Yeah, I feel like he, he should have been trying to kiss him. Uh, in in my fan uh, script, he tries to kiss him. No, but he uh, is trying to murder Mousie. Mousy, of course, notorious coward, uh, just just flees again and again. Uh, and I do love it because those sequences often kind of split the difference between horror and like slapstick goofball comedy. Because all of the ways that Mousie escapes in the first half of the movie are super, uh, super wacky. He's They're like, very
0: h- Looney Tunes.
1: Yeah, he's like hiding in a barrel and he climbs a rope and he's like just above his head. Don't look up. It's it's very screwball, but the whole time it's also like, no, this dude will rip you apart with his hands if he yeah. catches you. <laughs> like he is a murderer. Uh, eventually, uh, White Tiger. Uh, kills Mousy's friend, uh, the student of Wang fei hung uh, and and teams up with this other uh, martial arts instructor who's been trying to like s- beat Wang Fei hung forever and like usurp his position as you know the uh, best martial arts instructor in town uh, so uh, White tiger and this uh, other jerk team up and uh, kill Mousy's friend. Uh, and Mousie very li- or uh, Mousie's friend very like cavalierly is like, "Hey, I'm gonna go investigate this thing. If I die, avenge my death, huh?" <laughs> and says it in a very like, "I'm not gonna die," uh, but he does. And Mousie, uh, like a real mensch, takes those words to heart and does step up to avenge him. And this is, uh, you know, when when you realize that all of the ways that he has been taught by his older sister to uh, Ring out wet laundry to, to like squeeze the water out of it, has actually been training Eagle Claw, a super powerful martial arts style.
0: <laughs> that involves squinchin and squinching and pulling. Squinching.
1: Squinching. He's got to squinch him. Squeezing. Like, is that like smizing?
0: I was trying to say squeezing and pinching. Yeah. And pulling, and I said squinching.
1: I think that squinching is... Uh, Ugh,
0: this is pressy car all over again no
1: i think squinching is a real one though it's uh i said smizing and i think it genuinely is the thing where you don't fully squint your eyes but you bring your bottom eyelid up slightly to create less white space in your eyes when you're being photographed i think that uh it's a thing that models do I'm doing it now were you doing it were you yes, squinching so let, me was, it. let me see let me see your was smizing. It's oh you were squinching. smizing let me see your squinch though no, that was just a squint. <laughs> <That was> your, <laughs> y- your face got real small. <laughs> that was a full squint. Uh, listeners at home, uh, show us your best squinch. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah, so he he fights uh, White Tiger with with help from Wong Fei Hong. Um, the last fight rules. Uh, honestly, every fight in those rules. Uh, the friend fights another assassin who's very... Uh, this would have also worked as a pair for malignant uh, because it is like
0: I was going to say when I was watching that assassin with like the two sides on the, front yeah, the back it's got a head, face on the front of the back, that you're going to be so fucking mad when I pick malignant. I
1: know it's going to happen. I, you've already uh, declared your intent. Uh, so I was aware, but I still, uh, you know, if anything, you could have paired malignant with this. But I, I think your pick was better. Uh anyways there's some great choreography really interesting characters uh the assassins are all very fun there's uh the demon tailor who uh tries to kill Yoon Wu or uh Wang Feihong with uh needles and uh measuring tape and tailoring equipment uh and then the, yeah there's the one with the two faces and then eventually the showdown my favorite with, yeah the showdown with uh with white tiger in which uh the laundry style kung fu uh ends up being super helpful because white tiger's like final uh you know fight technique is that he has sleeve long sleeves with blades on them that he shoots out like he has stretchy arms uh which is a, a very cool and super uh fun visual uh but it's great cuz he set up a character who's really good at specifically grabbing fabric and then a guy who fights with sleeves Uh, And I always I always like that when a hyper specific martial arts technique really pays off in the end, like a JCVD doing all that blindfold fighting in blood sport. (laughs) It's like you love it's not even like
0: blood, like blindfold fighting. It's like I'm so good at stirring risotto and that happens to be how I kill you.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. It's not at all a, a situation that you prepare for or expect to be in. It's
0: literally wax on wax off.
1: Yeah, yeah. and then oh god, the the method of where he normally dries the clothes on a washboard, and then he's just doing that on the killer's body, and his skin's just yeah, he's just like friction burning his whole body, and just yeah, like scraping him with repetitive friction, and it's horrifying that's maybe like the most gruesome thing in the movie and it's not super bloody but it's just the the visual of him rubbing his arm really quickly and then his arm is just raw it's so so rough uh but yeah amazing final fight uh he he like wails on him and keeps yelling i'm going to kill you i'm going to kill you and, and Wong fei hung finally stops him and is like he's he's already dead uh and then you get uh that classic freeze frame the end that we all love i called it this yeah you're like oh it's gonna freeze frame and then it did it's uh,
0: my (laughs) favorite game now is when i watch martial arts movies to try and figure out when the freeze frame happens you're like it's gonna happen because sometimes i guess wrong and it scares the shit out of me like it just startles (laughs) me like i had that with um oh fuck which one was it where he like punched his wife into the sky
1: Oh it my was, God! No, uh, where he, it, that's a encounters a spooky guy. It was encounters the spooky guy. He he throws her. He picks her up over his head, and I think throws her into a fire. <laughs>
0: I'm pretty it's sure he, like, punched her into the air. I, it, where he was like, bitch! Like,
1: it's such a fucking ending. It's so good.
0: The ending to that uh, literally made me fucking scream. I think I pushed you over. Yeah. Because I, like, couldn't believe that it was happening. No, it's
1: that's that's the correct response that's to the that right. ending.
0: That's what you do to that.
1: Uh, but, yeah. Incredible freeze frame ending. Uh, I also, I do love the, like, the eagle claw being uh, very, like, grip strength. Because uh, it uh kind of feels like judo uh which is cool <coughs> i like this bit i like when things remind me of judo <laughs> <laughs> i just like judo hey, uh, just,
0: we have literally a judo man you can drink out of
1: that's true we have a cup shaped like a judoka it's pretty sweet <laughs> uh got it at benihana anyways <laughs> Well, had never been to Benihana so we took him on a field trip and he insisted on the judo cup. Right. Uh, I should I should clarify I've only been to Benihana one time and that was my commemorative souvenir and I had a great time and thought that place was incredible. So uh, I realized after I said it that like Benihana is not like a, a a, an inherently cool place that everyone's like oh fuck you went to Benny Hanna, <laughs> but that's that's how it felt to me it's so like that's your why. wife and her best <laughs> yeah, friend like
0: <laughs> dragged you to benihana huh
1: no but i was like y'all look at this cup i got it at benihana i mean there's like pictures of elvis and shit on the wall so like i don't know elvis thought it was cool and he's cool <laughs> so by transitive property <laughs> Benihana by Transitive school.
0: Property, having a little piece of chicken
1: flicked into your mouth is cool. It really is, though. <laughs> that guy, he's like flipping knives around and stuff. Have y'all been to a Benihana? <laughs> I'm really so happy cool. you discovered Benihana <laughs> at 30. I didn't know it was a thing. <laughs> it rules.
0: Well, this next pick that we have to go with this um, isn't Benihana's.
1: No, but this podcast is brought to you by Hana.
0: We're not, but if we were, it'd be the best thing that's ever yeah, happened that to me. That would be the
1: greatest day of my life. They wouldn't even have to, like, pay us if they just, like, sponsored us, like... in. If they just
0: sent you judo cups.
1: They it, Even that, because I already have the judo cup. If it was just, like, a moral, like, sponsorship, if they were just, like, we approve of what you're doing, that would mean the world to that me. That fried
0: rice fucked you up, didn't it? It
1: was so good. There's so much butter in it. <laughs> it's amazing.
0: Anyways, my pick for this week is... Halloween, nineteen seventy eight, of course. Uh, especially because there's a literally a one to one of a body swinging. Uh,
1: yeah, like the upside out down of a ceiling. body reveal. Yeah, no, and I I just feel very much like uh, you know we we've talked before about like oh the things in this like classic Shaw Brothers movie uh, clearly were influential on film in various ways, and you know you could even argue that this thing in this horror movie wouldn't exist without it. This is one of the most like one to one direct influences that I think, you know, we can we can point to and say like, yeah, Dreadnought would not have been what it was if Halloween had not come out.
0: Most movies wouldn't be uh, horror movie wouldn't have taken like its resurgence the way it did in 1978 because of this like slasher boom that happened yeah. out of it and so when you're like oh it's not like you know on the level of jaws it absolutely is in 2006 it was selected for preservation in the united states national film registry by the library of congress yeah, yeah. for being culturally historically and like aesthetically significant and much of like obviously john carpenter incredible director deborah hill incredible writer incredible producer um but a lot of this is dean cundy's visual language uh he's an incredible cinematographer you're Mm
1: -hmm. you're a big dean cundy fan and i'm a dean cundy stan yeah i i will say um as uh a a person who does uh watch a lot of movies but does not know a lot of things uh i have never been like familiar with cinematographers uh it's like I, i a lot of the time if it's not you know specifically like the director or star. I'm not great at like knowing the names of creators and uh, what else they've worked on, which is something I really should be better at. Uh, but you introduced me to uh, Dean Cundy.
0: Yeah, because it's something I babble about. I love Bill Pope taking an entire day to do that blood and paint scene in Bound. Uh, like cinematographers deserve. Uh, obviously, they do amongst like film fans, but I mean in the general public, like they're flowers for giving us most of the visual languages that we know and love. Um, although I recently found out that he was uncredited as a uh, had having direct a uh, horror movie that I really loved, oh. uh, the witch who came to see a movie that I love a whole bunch from the seventies.
1: I don't know it.
0: Ooh, that's gonna be my pick at some point. Nice. Um, definitely quite a few content warnings on that one, but I, I love it a whole bunch. All right. Um. But anyways, he's a dude who you can literally watch like his own visual influence come back because he did Halloween, which has a lot of those wonderful iconic shots. Like one of the reasons why Michael Myers around the hedge uh, was so striking at the time is because it's in pure daylight and it's in a wide shot and it looks wrong and weird.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And um, like while Black Christmas was like, the slasher that shaped so many things and then you can even argue for psycho beforehand uh dean and cundy texas on, chainsaw like texas slightly chainsaw. before but yeah but in terms of just like that like pov type of slasher that exists he definitely wasn't the first um but he gave it its own specific language in terms of what he does uh with the final girl with laurie um because it's not something that you see in black christmas not at all to its de- detriment it's incredible right um but he does this thing where he creates a path of trajectory for the victim that when you scope it out you are so much in that seat with them like he does this thing where you know lori can look down a hallway and see her escape she like you've already known where the houses lie like in terms of like where they are to each other so you know where she's going to be darting from you know what door she's going to exit out of and what she's going to try and get to the quickest. So you have that same impulse as the viewer right? to right. be like, can you get to this fast enough? I've seen you try it before. Like he sets out a path that you don't always realize that you're going down. But when you do, you're so familiar as a viewer that you're just like, go, go, go. Like you see what the next point is. And he does this again in Jurassic park. Like I am not the first person to point this out. There are many video essays on it, but like, you watch this exact thing that he created again to use tension again. From the way Dean Gun, like Dean Cundy shoots raptors, yeah, like yeah. raptors are shot like Michael Myers, and those teenagers like are shot the same way that he shoots Laurie, in terms of like the way they look at a handle and a doorway and they know where that raptor is, or you know Ellie like knows where she has to sprint, what log she has to jump over, and you've already clocked that log. He yeah. showed it to you organically, easily. So by the time you're in it, you have all this information that you re- did not realize have been being fed to you in very organic ways. So by the time that you're there, you're with them. You're Ellie and you're just like, fuck, I need to like make it over this rock. I like know where that raptor is in terms of like where it is on my shoulder. He puts you there. Yeah. And that's so much of why Halloween has that unique visual language.
1: No, and that's, that's one of those things that like you don't, uh consider when you're watching the film but does make such a huge difference you know even like subconsciously because uh like if if you see a character uh be attacked in a space that you the v- viewer are already familiar with yeah your your impulse your brain is immediately connecting those dots of like oh like they need to escape out this door and i kn- you know i know where they need to be going and when they do that you're like yeah along for that ride as opposed to like if you know you have a sense of the space and then the character runs into a room that you didn't know was there to try to like grab a knife from a drawer that you haven't seen and you're just like what the fuck are they doing and you're getting frustrated at the person on screen until you know it starts to connect the dots but i feel like it's the difference between like we we we've all watched a horror movie where the victim starts doing something and and we the viewer are like what where are you going why are you going to the basement what are you doing and yelling at the screen and uh, yeah he doesn't leave room for that no exactly like establishing uh just that sense of of space and uh you know eventual trajectory uh is is the difference between being on the victim's side or not you know being like yeah i'm right there with you you're making the right choices oh no you're still going to get caught. Yeah, it's, as opposed to like, "Ah, you wh- what the fuck were you doing anyways? Why didn't you just j- jump out the window?" You know? Or
0: Raptors in Jurassic Park versus Raptors in Jurassic World.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure Jurassic There's a lot World. Of other elements. I'm pretty sure Jurassic World has that one raptor that's like smart and it like I I saw that movie and I remember almost nothing, but I'm pretty sure that it like Does it use a gun at one point? Does the raptor shoot somebody the with a gun? The raptor doesn't
0: use a gun, but Jurassic Park 3 has a raptor that goes Alan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is that true? I've never seen it. Have you not? Oh, shit. I'm going to make you watch it. Oh, that's incredible. A dinosaur just goes, Alan. Yeah, it has a raptor
0: on an airplane that (laughs) that looks him in the eyes and goes, Alan. (laughs) I don't know why. Uh, and Alessandro Nibola in it, which is where I developed my crush on him for the first time. Nice.
1: No, I, I don't know why the, the raptor that uh, has like vaguely human qualities in Jurassic World I find so fucking novel. So learning that there's one that talks is even better. But yeah, I'm maybe, I maybe he doesn't get a gun, but I swear he like he does some like... He opens so he, doors. He does some like action movie shit. There's he's like fighting some guys and I think he like blows them up and he like jumps away from the explosion. Like, I think it's cool like a helicopter. Raptor. Yeah. It's I not don't... a
0: raptor though, that's an
1: Andromeda's. No, Rex. there's a there's a raptor in that movie. Oh, blue? yes, Blue is the raptor that has a name and he does a bunch of cool James Bond shit and I specifically remember it because I was watching the movie and I was like, this movie sucks, this movie sucks, this movie sucks and then there was like five minutes of a raptor being an action hero. Where you were like, and you I would was, die for Blue. I was like, yes, and then I was like, oh, this movie sucks and I specifically remember walking out and being like, why wasn't the whole thing about that velociraptor that kicks ass? Like, why <laughs> If didn't you they
0: took Chris Pratt out and
1: made Blue the Take star, all the human characters
0: out. Wait, <laughs> you might be on to something I would watch the entirety of Jurassic World if it was from Blues perspective. That's
1: what I'm saying. He's the lead.
0: (laughs) Oh my god. And he has like his his Van Damme moments where he's like "Ah!" and then all the other (laughs) Uh, "Ah!" (laughs) animals.
1: Yeah, give him, like, a cool <laughs> little dance sequence. <laughs> like, Have him be, like, charming, you know? He gets the girl, whatever. They go to a club. <laughs> like, just have him do all the cool action hero She shit. lays eggs. He fertilizes them. Yeah, the way you do.
0: Wait, no, that's fish. He needs to fertilize it in her, and then she lays the egg. Uh,
1: yeah, there can be a tasteful sex scene as well. <laughs> uh, but the point is, let him use a gun.
0: In silhouette and curtains, kind of like Top Gun.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and it plays some, like, R&B. Some or There's some, like, saxophone playing or whatever. Yeah um but yeah i'm just saying that would have been a way better movie uh if blue was the lead <laughs> and it was just a bit what are we talking
0: about <laughs> anyways i was saying that's <laughs> the difference between the raptors in terms of like bill cundy uh dean cundy D- dean cundy so i was thinking of bill pope a second ago uh and, and then, then I went,
1: once you start thinking about bill pope you can't stop i
0: really can't actually once you pope you uh, can't <laughs> stop <laughs> once you pope you can't say nope god damn it <laughs> God damn i'm a fucking slogan slogan machine when i'm you grieving were, you were on fire <laughs> um oh no i have to burp like an interrupting amount say stuff
1: okay i'm gonna talk with uh you burp off mic i hope it was off mic it maybe definitely everybody was heard off it mic. also it. i just continued talking about the burp i didn't do a good job of i mean you you volunteered it if you had just been like if you had given me some like clandestine signal off mic that then then right, i'm taking have mentioned the reins it. back anyways yeah <laughs>
0: That's for the best. So chances are, if you're listening to this, you have seen this movie, you don't need us to recap it.
1: But we're going to. No, are we, we? are? No, we don't we don't have to. Uh Michael, <laughs> Michael Myers, Myers kills, his his then then kills his sister. And then he he comes and back and he escapes the institute and he terrorizes Haddonfield Uh he's Doctor Loomis was his doctor.
0: Uh, he goes after his Laurie Strode and then Loomis is just like he's evil, pure evil. What does Loomis say? He's pure evil.
1: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Sorry, it's a weird one. Everybody is. I. I swear the one week of technical difficulties, and I have completely forgotten uh, what I'm doing here. Uh, but I. I think. I think we're doing great. Personally. So,
0: <laughs> this movie has become like comfort for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I uh, same. Weirdly, uh, Halloween three is is my most rewatched of them, and I maintain that like. As a single movie, it is maybe the most rewatchable one. Dean Co uh, did that one too Dean Coney did that one too. baby he don't miss uh but no i I definitely uh th- it is very much a you know Halloween season like October comfort movie.
0: The presence of Loomis is why I rewatch this one the most
1: oh yeah, I mean loomis is is uh an all timer he's like
0: Loomis is why I love. God damn it! I can never h- remember his name off the first try. But why I love the agent and the guest so much, because oh, yeah, by yeah. telling him to be earnest, they guaranteed that that movie had a perfect Luna- Loomis without knowing that he was a perfect Loomis.
1: Right, right. No, he d- he does do a a great job in that role. He's the of...
0: most serious about it. Yeah.
1: No, and it's it is a really uh you know obviously like that character uh I would. I would say like almost even more than uh, you know Myers because like obviously you know we we had uh, like a masked killer in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and like you know we've we've had other uh, like scary bad guys and so while Michael Mayer, Michael Myers is inarguably like hugely influential I would argue that like the Loomis character is a bigger influence like. There are more characters that would not have existed without Dr. Loomis than would not have existed without Michael Myers, if that makes sense. No, a
0: thousand percent. Like I'm thinking about it now and I feel like you can always identify a Halloween-esque thing by the presence of a Loomis before a slasher. Like um, Behind the Mask.
1: Yeah, yeah. Robert Um, England. They They even say. Yeah, they like lampshade it. Yeah, they very much uh, like uh, say like, oh yeah, you got to have your Ahab. Um, No, I, I love Loomis. Uh something that like kind of uh struck me on this rewatch. Uh oh god, and I'm going to try real hard to navigate this thought without getting into Halloween Kills discourse. Uh <laughs> um, but uh something that I like I you know, I'm sure I have n- noticed before but for some reason was not at top of mind for me uh on this rewatch so it like kind of uh stuck out to me uh oh and i think it's because we had recently rewatched halloween 2018 for a previous episode with a uh, william bibiani and because that was like the most recent halloween thing that i had seen before this revisit i kind of had forgotten uh how childlike Michael Myers is in the original film as an adult because like you know his, his first kill is when he's uh what 6 years old he's like a 6 year old kid that yeah. uh, kills his sister um and then is you know pretty immediately like put into the system and uh pretty much spends his entire adolescence and uh young adult life in an institution and when he breaks out Uh, on halloween night now as an adult it's like yeah he's an adult man and he's uh big and scary and he's very strong and he can pin you to the wall with a knife and uh he doesn't seem to uh
0: he can rip a tombstone out of the earth
1: he can rip a tombstone out of the earth and he uh he definitely in the original one does like react to pain because when he gets uh poked in the eye you know uh, like that eye is now like Closed for uh like when the when the mask comes Mm -hmm. off later he's got an eye closed and he gets stabbed with the knitting needle he like reacts to it he he definitely reacts to pain but it's still uh he still kind of has that like unstoppable feeling because he gets you know stabbed and beaten up a bit and then keeps moving so it's like yeah he's scary he's a big strong guy and uh, he, he he can take a beating but he's also so childlike just so much the mind of a kid. Because the sheet
0: with the glasses the on it. The sheet
1: with the glasses. And I know that people uh, mention that as, like, a, almost like it's a plot hole. I've seen people, like, you know, I've seen, like, tweets about it and stuff. And, like, you know, it feels so out of character. And, like, it's so so silly that he, like, took the time to dress, uh, dress up like a ghost to scare them. Uh, but honestly, like, he's a child who, who stole a Halloween mask. And he put on a spooky, scary Halloween mask to go be a bad guy. And there's that one piece of, uh, like, physical uh, acting after he uh, has the, the kid pinned to the wall with the knife where he looks at it and he tilts his head to the side. And I think that's, like, the most characterization that that you get and also all that I ever need is that he looks at his own work and he tilts his head to the side like a child observing something whimsical. And you're like, yeah, he's just a kid who doesn't have any concept of right or wrong. Humans
0: are just bugs that he tears
1: apart. Even, I mean, not even uh, like.
0: I think he takes delight in the dismemberment. I don't think in like. Maybe so. an over yeah. the top way. I think in the way that like an upsetting child cutting a lizard in half would.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what I
0: mean? No
1: fair like yeah kids smushing a bug or like killing something with a rock but yeah like loomis has you know some some line about like he doesn't uh know the difference between you know good and evil or whatever and i just i feel like you so much get the sense of like he is a a small child with a a a, you know terrifying man's body and the only method of interaction with the world around him that he has ever learned is violence but yeah, he, he doesn't perceive it as wrong and he'll, yeah, he'll stab somebody, pin him to the wall and then just kind of look at him like, yeah, yeah, that looks cool. And uh, I don't know if I feel like it even like contextualizes the, you know, like the, the scary killer mask that is, you know, obviously the super iconic Michael Myers mask that uh, Ben Tramer had the misfortune of also wearing in Halloween two and being killed rest in peace Ben Tramer.
0: R.I.P. unless you're on the kills timeline.
1: Yeah where he's potentially still alive uh but yeah even even that like on this rewatch I was kind of struck with the thought of just like yeah like this this essentially child walking into a you know a store around Halloween and seeing all the masks and being like I like that one you know and he like grabs a handful of them and he tries them on he's like yeah this one's cool and it just I don't know, feels simultaneously less uh, less sinister, but also more frightening. <laughs> like, he doesn't, I, I feel like, you know, he doesn't have the, like, vengeance and the, the. I I don't know. In the original Halloween, I don't read him as having the, like, evil of, you know. I like, read
0: him as having the evil. I just read it more random.
1: Yeah, it's... It, I'm, I'm trying to think of like how to we have different like,
0: perspectives like i completely get yours yeah because yours is just like the malice afforded to like again a kid that like squeezes a hamster too hard yeah but like does it all the time because they like what happens when the hamster pops right right um in my case i do they
1: like what happens when the hamster pops <laughs> sorry just that I series of words know. no it was great it was beautiful <laughs>
0: But like in my sense, I do get like the evil out of it, but I don't really so much like get a giddiness with it. I think it's inherently there because of how changed everyone else is, Um, especially when it comes to like the fighting back, because I feel like when something is thrashing for most things, it's easier to walk away instead of kill it more
1: right but see even even there that, needs to
0: be a desire to do so
1: even that i almost read as like it becomes a game to him at that point that he's like yeah we're doing the same thing like you, you you do that too cool like you you're stabbing at me i'm stabbing at you we're we're on the same wavelength like i i fully just like i i don't know Rewatching the first one like in a vacuum if you like so remove... yours might
0: actually feed into like why he might target babysitters in terms of just like well they're around other little things
1: yeah yeah true i didn't even consider that but uh, but yeah, I I don't know. He's truly like, a Rorschach test. He really is, and uh, and that's what's so great about the character. You can project any uh any fear onto him. That's and,
0: why it's the boogeyman. Right. He looks. So, that's why there's so many different takes on Halloween in yes, the entire franchise.
1: Because he's a blank canvas for you to project your own terror onto.
0: And even if you like it, even if you don't like it, every director and there's a lot of cases where i more often than not don't like it uh, which is completely and utterly fine but like every director saw halloween and saw something different scary out of it and i think there's no better example than when he pulls off the mask and every person's like his face is fucked up because of this uh, right. this happened to this face and if you look it up it's just a regular it's guy it's just a face. guy it's
1: a regular guy face he has one eye closed because Lori stabbed him in the eye
0: like I'm showing it to you right yeah. now. That is what everyone I know has given me. And if you look it up, if you look at yeah. Michael Myers' no, face I... in the original movie, and you know people like raise up the brightness, it is just a regular face. But I cannot tell you how many people have visualized what is like under it's there. horrifying in two there.
1: Yeah, no, and it's just a guy, uh, which I think is like. Actually, you know what? It, in terms of like it being a a Rorschach test that you project your own fears onto, I think yeah. For some people, it is the. Uh, the unstoppability, the inevitability of it, the fact that he will just keep coming and there's nothing you can do. And it's like, in this way, you know, maybe you are uh, afraid of mortality, like the inevitability of your own eventual death because we all eventually die. And And that's me,
0: so that's why I'm afraid of him.
1: (laughs) Right. And it's like, you know, he is the physical embodiment of the uh, terrible truth that every organic living thing must eventually face. Uh, and for me the thing that i project onto him i'm realizing literally have not like never identified this until this discussion no same uh it, like i am not afraid of the unstoppable uh killer i don't know I, I, like in whatever ways uh the human brain is able to i feel like you know i've made my peace with my own mortality uh and i'm not afraid of like the guy who's bigger and stronger than me, because, you know, I, I feel like if I'm in that situation, then it's uh I I don't fear inevitable things because it's like, well, there's nothing I can do. Like, I, you, you know, run. I get stabbed. I run or I get stabbed, whatever. Uh, That's not inherently frightening to me. The thing that is frightening to me is the idea uh, that morality is relative, that there are no empirical objective rules as to what is good and what is evil and that, like, we all have to decide that. And we all have to agree on that for it to matter. And the idea that a person can just disagree, a person can just reject wholesale like your constructs of morality, a human being can decide like, no, I I don't think that life is inherently valuable. I don't think that there's intrinsic worth just in a human being existing. I don't value your life or mine. And I I choose to interact with you in this way. And we're all horrified by that. But like, there's no objective empirical truth in either instance like you can't factually say in either instance that one is right or wrong they're all you know constructs that we have to agree on and say like no we all decide that it's wrong to kill humans because we are humans and we don't like that and that's the terrifying part to me the idea that this human can exist and just view the world completely differently and like I I don't know from his perspective like he's not wrong i that's the terrifying part to me no i find find this really interesting (laughs) shakes me to my core (laughs)
0: legitimately i'm saying this not to just like (laughs) aggregate engagement the way people do on social media i legitimately would appreciate if uh you saw this episode uh tweet go up and respond to it with why michael myers is scary to you yeah because i feel like it's i legitimately want to hear this like if he is scary to you Why? And if he is not, why not? Because it is interesting, like, with seeing, like, the different discourses pop up and everybody's, like, different rankings of it, I I am interested in specifically the first one. It feels like everybody set a very different ideal of what he is supposed to be based on their first reactions to that first movie.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree because, yeah, sometimes he's supernatural, sometimes he's not... Sometimes he's super fucking strong, and sometimes he's, like, as strong as, like, a regular adult man who's, you know, in decent shape.
0: Yeah, so legitimately, would love to hear your very different reasons for it.
1: Yeah, same.
0: And, uh, yeah, that's why we paired these two together, just because it's... Really cool to watch something that only exists because of another thing, because I feel like there's a tendency to be like, oh, there's no, you know, original thing or everything is built upon like reference or uh, uh, everything is based on everything else. And that doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I truly don't care if something took influence from something else or pays homage um, because it's so cool when something, when an idea plays a game of telephone, watching all of the different iterations of it to me, yeah. and I think there are original ideas, but not everything, everything begets knowing something else.
1: I agree, and I I think that all uh, all media uh, and and all uh, fiction in any medium. Uh, is inherently derivative of the Epic of Gilgamesh. So <laughs> everything is Gilgamesh. <laughs> everything is the Epic of Gilgamesh. That's
0: the whole model of this podcast. We've brought it up before.
1: It's uh, everything it's is just Gilgamesh. So fucking good. Sorry
0: that I keep burping. I have horrible indigestion. So let's uh, wrap yeah, this yeah, up. Yeah, let's, let's, let's let's wrap put this put a puppy up it. so uh, that I can go burp and fart uh, myself into oblivion. Uh, I
1: love <laughs> My favorite part is that you didn't need to say any of it. No it's one had to do sli-
0: It's going to eke out before the episode's <laughs> over. I've been desperate right. to hide it. All so right. I might mic. as well just Go be transparent if they've heard something so far. No, I,
1: I appreciate your candor. Uh, no, this was. Uh, I also, of course, had to pick Dreadnought because uh, it is October. So we always want to lean a little bit more screaming. Do than a little kicking. extra. Uh, although, I feel like we should potentially nominate. A month arbitrarily to be the kicking month?
0: November. Okay.
1: October goes a little harder on screams. November goes a little more harder on kicks. Yeah. I'm into it.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. then good. we keep it falling It's fair.
1: Sounds fair to me. Oh yeah. Uh what are, what are we calling this one? What's the what's the marquee read for this double feature?
0: Stalker, I hardly know her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. All right. I like it. Uh, oh, also, we didn't really uh, get into this, and now is not the time because we're wrapping up. But I do appreciate the degree to which Yunbiao is a final girl. In He's a final
0: girl through He's and through. He has changed from the beginning by his experience. Yeah.
1: I really I truly think that Mousy deserves to be in the pantheon of like uh iconic final girls. Uh it's a shame that he didn't get a whole franchise, but I still think off the strength of that one movie, you know, put him up there with Laurie Strode and uh, you know, Nancy uh What is Nancy's, Nancy's name? I never remember Nancy's Nightmare last Street. name. You know, you know, she's what just I'm Nancy. She's just Nancy. Uh all right. Wait. Stalker I hardly knew her. what's the snack pairing? I was
0: going to say I was
1: going to say
0: Well, see Dreadnought makes me want to do taffy because it's pulled.
1: Because it's pulled. Oh, because of the taffy uh, pulling. The but but what is the pulling element in the in the film? Just like his eagle claw, or yeah, like a, for
0: like pulling and pinching. Okay,
1: okay. As and like his style. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I was thinking taffy, and it was like the little Halloween candy taffies.
1: All right. Yeah, I'll take that, because it's Halloween candy. They're both pretty Halloween-y movies.
0: And you make them by pinching and pulling.
1: All right. But you have to make it with an eagle claw technique.
0: Okay. Taffy pulled with an eagle claw technique, served in one of those pumpkins that you get trick-or-treating.
1: A little plastic uh, like yeah. pumpkin pail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cute. And a little pumpkin I always, pail. I always took a pillowcase, but yeah good well that's because you're smart you get way more candy uh also quick thing just on the subject of food uh there is a cut in dreadnought that i forgot to mention but is my favorite maybe just my favorite moment in the movie uh and i don't know why it's so effective for me but it's a scene in which white tiger is uh brutally like clawing at uh, a character's stomach and rather than showing white tiger just disembowel this dude with his with his bare hands. Oh, it's so good. Uh, he's like clawing at his stomach and ripping his clothes and it just like hard smash cut to someone ripping a roast chicken apart and it's a super tight shot of the meat and muscle just ripping apart. And that cut is somehow so much more horrific to me than if they had just shown him get his guts ripped out. Because you get the
0: sound in with it, yeah, too. Yeah,
1: it's the audio, it's the visual, it's the fact that it, like it is you know, just like a chicken that I would eat. And then I'm like, oh, no.
0: Now I'm thinking weird <laughs> things I'm about I'm the vegetarian. chicken.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, good double feature.
0: Very good double feature. Uh, where can the people find you, Elijah?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Elijah underscore Pizza. That's P I Z Z A, like uh, like the the like what Domino's sells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know why I felt like I had to do a long outro, but I had nothing I'm to le- say. I'm letting this happen here. you. <laughs> Just letting me dig my own grave yep. over here. Yep. Hey, Vanessa, where can the people find you? Yeah, you can look. find
0: me under N-E-S-S Guerrero on Twitter and S-N-E-S Guerrero on Instagram, uh, where you'll find updates on the things that I am working on along with pictures of food that I've been cooking lately. Uh, additionally, you can check out work, uh, my work on uh, G4TV's Twitch once we come back from going dark. I have moved over from X-Play to Attack of the Show, which means I have more reasons uh, to incite chaos. And you can find the podcast under at kick screen pod on all forms of social because uh, we legitimately love hearing from you. It we makes do. our day. And uh, Elijah is currently looking slightly impressed that he tossed this to me like it wouldn't have been shit. And I've been working on my computer the entire time and did this outro.
1: You did great. I did a a terrible job with my outro, and I wasn't doing any second activity. You've been, I think, actively editing this podcast while giving the outro. Very impressive. Uh, Uh, A lot of people don't realize that Vanessa edits the podcast in real time. (laughs) 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 It's all going to be live, baby. Oh,
0: no, I'm just a high-functioning workaholic.
1: (laughs) With that, happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, We love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.